from New York choo, is choo. Ask an Engineer. Ask a train engineer. No, ask an electrical engineer. It's me, Lady Ada. I'm the engineer. With me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. Uh, we just took a train here, a train from the yeah. past into the future. We'll be talking about that in the show. We got an exciting show for you tonight. We're broadcasting live, as always, from the Adafruit headquarters. This is where we do all of our kitting, testing, shipping, manufacturing, coding, videoing, and and shipping, whatever, whatever I just said, multiply we that. do a bunch of things. All the time, and that's why we're a little out of it. Uh, everyone's home right now, because it's just me and Mr. Lady Ada. We've got a jam-packed show for you for the next hour. You're gonna hear about all the latest news, updates, new products, videos, tutorials, uh, LED cats, and more. Mr. Lady Ada, tell them what's on tonight's show. All right, on tonight's show, the code is uncased, 10% <laughs> off in the Adafruit store, all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Eastern time, or when I remember to turn the code off. Get to 10% off in the store, and you also get free stuff as you shop on the site. We do a live series of shows, including Show & Tell. We'll talk about that, who's on the Show & Tell, and what they shared, and more. Time travel, look around, world makers, hackers, artists, and engineers, and more. Retrotech, we'll be talking about that train ride we took. From the mailbag, we'll read your letters that you send us. A job from the Adafruit Jobs Board, jobs.adafruit.com. Post your skills to pay the bills, or if you're a company, hire cool, amazing people in the community, do the projects you want to get done and more. Uh, we have some factory footage, we call advanced manufacturing, made here in New York City. We got a 3D printing speed up video. We've got INMPI this week. It's from Worth Electronic. And we've got new products, lots of stuff this week. Some top secret. We answer your questions. We do that on Discord. Remember, questions, Discord, <coughs> adafruit.it slash Discord or discord.gg slash Adafruit. It's that's, free. that's where we do the questions. Um, join all 34,000 of us there, and uh, the party still goes on even after the show's over because people <coughs> hang out and chat and share and do all that stuff and more. All that and more on, you guessed it, dun, dun, dun. Ask an Engineer. Okay, well, let's pay some bills real quick. Um, don't forget, the code is uncased. Um, it'll all make sense soon. And um, when you purchase things... Or Unca said. Yeah. Unca said. Yeah, it could be that too. Yeah. Um, so, um, Lady Ada, when they buy stuff, though, would they get free stuff? That's right. We have freebies, uh, and we change them out. Um, for, uh, for now, if you order from the Adafruit store, adafruit.com, you get $99 or more a free promo proto Half-size breadboard, we love to give these away as freebies because they're so handy. Just keep it in your drawer. And believe me, you'll use it soon enough. Uh, $149 or more, you get a free KB2040. It's an RP2040 board that's pro-micro pinout compatible. It has a stomach UT port. 
It's got eight megabytes of flash, USB-C, castellated pads, um, and it's, it's designed for keyboards, but you know what? You can use it for anything, and it comes in a cool pink color. And $249 or more, sorry, $199 or more you get for UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. Okay, cool. And um, reminder, there's more things uh, in addition to Raspberry Pi now because uh, the part shortage continues on. Make sure you make an account on adafruit.com, you verify your email, and you do two-factor authentication. That's good security for you. You should do that on every website. And if the website doesn't offer that, you should drop them an email. And if they say, well, we're just an electronic site, say, well, I know electronic site, Adafruit, they're doing it. Um, but it also helps us make sure that we can fairly get Raspberry Pis specifically right now, but there's also teensies that are in that um, limit to the most people. So I'm going to skip around this week and we're going to do mailbag because this mailbag is yet another one that has something to do with this shortage. Um, before I do the mailbag though, for the Raspberry Pi orders in particular, um, you know, there is uh, a, a pretty big, I'd say, group of people, but they have bots, but there's people, someone made the bots. Half bot, and, half pushed. Yeah, and um, Robobot. It, it, it's working, <laughs> like we're, we're able to not have people buy all the Raspberry Pis, make tons of fake accounts and get them and then put them on EA and send them for $300. And they're starting to move on, that's good. Um, they still try, but um, we've done a really good job. And the, the folks who do get them, they let people know on Twitter, like, oh, I got one, I've been waiting for like two months and I was able to get one. So that's really helpful. And then there's, you know, a couple of folks that are really cranky and crummy um, because they're like, well, I need 10 Raspberry Pis for my project. It's like, well, right yeah, now, find another project. right now might not be the best time for a project that needs 10 Raspberry Pis. And they're like, well, I, I've already got one. I, I, I'm going to get the other nine in there. They're not so nice to our team when they email. Um, so anyways, don't um, do that. Yeah. So anywho, um, let's do mailbag because this mailbag happens to be a mailbag about the Raspberry Pi stuff. So okay. uh, I, rem it. I remember this, to put the song in this Great. week too. Yeah. It's uh, right over here. Yeah, we changed screens this That's week. That's okay. Giant screen. It's like. It's so big. It's like there's a I lot know. going on here. Today. It's all screen. Okay, this week's uh, mailbag. This is from William. It's a little long, so that's why I want to get to it right away. Kay. Hey, nothing that requires a response. Just wanted to give you folks positive feedback. I've been reading about the Raspberry Pi shortage and saw that you folks are going out of your way to ensure scalpers don't pick up multiple pies. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you. In a time where profits always seem to come before customers, it's become a rarity to see something like this in action. I have several friends who have worked for Orange Coffee Roasters. That's a coffee place in New York. Several whom went to work at Adafruit. <laughs> And I've heard nothing but good things about your company and how it treats its workers. And it's clear that you folks treat your customers the same way. Anyways, having worked in customer service for a while, I know how rare it's actually to hear something good from a customer. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to take a minute and share what an awesome company you are in hopes that it makes someone's day a little better. It did. Little decisions like this make all the difference in the world, and I'm happy to encounter a company that actually cares. Yay. Thank you, William, because we spend a lot of time on all this stuff. and it's We get been, letters. Yeah. We get faxes. They complain yeah. we don't sell them 30 Raspberry Pis. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, actually, the Better Business Bureau, <laughs> they uh, left a voicemail message for me. So some, some person um, doesn't like that they got caught you know, selling Raspberry Pis on eBay, and we're not allowing them buy, to buy stuff in the store. And they think opening up a Better Business Bureau complaint um, will solve that, which it won't. It's um, not discrimination, folks. I know you think it is, but it's not. Yeah. Um, 
they were they were selling Raspberry Pis on eBay for like three hundred bucks, and um, we told them don't do that. They did it once. We but told you can't them don't do, it do twice. that, and uh, so we're not allowing them to uh, buy Raspberry Pis. So, anyways, uh, so I like this letter. This makes up for that one. So, thank you so much, William. Thank All you, right. William. So, let's uh, talk about our live series shows. We just did one. Yeah, we just did one. Um, we do a bunch of live shows. So uh, we just finished Show and Tell. Show and Tell was fun this week. Um, cool art. Kevin from DigiKey showed this like immersive, Cyber. almost VR looking thing, and it's the Innovation Hub from DigiKey. I really like this, and I, I don't know how long they've been working on it, but I think their timing is really good because people are starting to want different experiences online because the web's kind of trash. Um, and, and I mean that maybe in a good way, like, you know, most of the... Most of the web, it's really hard to find stuff now. Um, and that just means there's more opportunities for all of us to have special experiences on our websites. So, you know, if you type something in Google, like, it, it's really hard to find the results. There's just, like, a lot of stuff going on that's yeah. not the results you're looking for. So, um, you know, the idea is you would go to the DigiKey Innovation Hub on this uh, the site experience that they have, and you'd be actually, you'd be able to spend focused time and explore these things. So I really like this idea. I hope it, uh, I get to try it out soon. Um, and I think this is the first time it's been displayed um, to the public. And then Scott came on and showed some neat stuff at CircuitPython. That's right. And then uh, Rachel came on. And Rachel had this really neat um, LED backing. It's our matrix panel. Matrix panel, with, yeah. With Legos in front of it. Mm -hmm. and, and my prediction, and I said this on there, Lego's totally going to do an LED panel that you, that you put Legos on top of it and you like do designs and have stuff behind it. Like, they watch our show and they, they look at our, our site, um, and I know for sure LEGO does. So I think they get really good ideas from you know, the maker community, as they should, because that's why we're here. We all want to share ideas. Um, and I think that might be like a product one day where you would have a, a panel behind the LEGOs and be able to make mm -hmm. a really, really cool um, immersive stuff um, yeah. with LEGOs in front of it. And then John came by and showed this cool garage door detector. That was neat. So anyways, you can check that out on um, YouTube or any social media place where we post and host videos. On Sundays, we do Desk of Lady Ada. That's right. And we have two parts. The first one was? Uh, well, we talked a little bit about how we went on this train, which we'll show a lot more photos and videos of. And then it was a sample Sunday, so I went through a whole bunch of samples that I got. I'm trying to clear out my massive pile of samples. Uh, we got some Elkai solder kits. We've got these cool hex wrenches. We've got... Um, laptop battery adapter, we got some clear um, RGB um, encoders, and uh, everyone agreed that these were good samples, and so I'm going to order them. Okay. And then uh, we do the great search, and this is where Lady Ada uses her powers of engineering and smarts and searching the digikey.com site to find the parts that she needs, or you need, or someone in the community says, hey, I need help finding this. What was the part this week? Okay, so this week, you know, I, we had just stocked this I2C-capable um, sonar sensor, and um, I, I like it, but it doesn't work so happily on multiple I2C device chains. And so I thought, like, well, I wonder if I could make my own ultrasonic sensor. And so I Googled around a little bit. I, got, I found a couple tutorials, and people had, like, taken apart and done reverse engineering of sonar. I didn't see a lot of people who'd made their own sonars. Usually people tend to use um, off-the-shelf modules. Um, but I determined that it should be possible to do with a single uh, transceiver. And so I went to DigiKey and uh, located a CUI 
um, 40 kilohertz ultrasonic transceiver module that I ordered and I just got them today. And um, they're cute and adorable and I'm gonna try them out as a distance sensor, see if it works. Okay. And then uh, JP was off this week for JP's product pick of the week. So we'll be um, resuming that next week. Uh, same thing goes for JP's workshop uh, this week. So that'll be coming up next week. Also, Fridays we do deep dive, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern with Tim. And Tim. this is where you can get a good overview of all the things that go into um, the deep parts of CircuitPython. So if you like the movie Abyss and you want to like breathe water, that special suit that they had. Maybe he's fun. Maybe isn't Sphere also underwater? Sphere, Sphere was underwater, but I feel like the the in Abyss, uh, he had to he had to stop this bomb from going off because the guy. Anyways, it's a long story. Yeah. It's a long story, mm -hmm. but um, it was deep. It was so deep he had to have the special suit. So that's that, okay. That's what Tim's like. Tim's right. like the guy that's going to save oh, the aliens. Oh, he's got like the big like yeah, hard, and he's breathing yeah. and he's breathing in Bioshock. and he's breathing in oxygenated water. Okay, that's what the show's like. Yeah, but code. But Circuit Python. Okay, uh, time travel. Uh, time travel this week. I'll uh, do the weekly reminder. Uh, we're still um, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully doing AdaBox Spring Edition. Um, if you didn't get your AdaBox Winter Edition, it's because there was a part shortage. So we're still trying to get these out. Don't worry, we don't charge the cards until we ship it. So you don't have to worry about that. It's a part shortage. Yeah. All right. It's so let's do oh, some retro. retro. Yeah, let's do some retro tech. So this week's retro tech is really, really retro. Um, but it is electronic. It is. So um, <clears throat> the Transit Museum in New York does uh, historic rides, nostalgia, nostalgia rides, but they haven't been able to do it for a couple of years because of COVID. So basically there is a really old train, old train station inside of New York subway system and they will let you book tickets to ride a you know, 100 year old subway train on the regular subway route. And so uh, we went to it. Uh, this was Explorer South Ferry Station and um, a couple little facts about this. Um, 1905 Old South Ferry Station contains a terracotta relief artwork designed by original subway architects. Um, it was built as a loop station so the trains could turn around and head back. Uh, it was built for five cars. It was decommissioned in 2009 when the new South Ferry Station opened. And then um, it had to be reopened when Sandy hit because the other station got closed. And then the Low V is the uh, low voltage train, and I'll uh, get into that in a second. So you go in into this other entrance, and they have like the the old style subway. It's really beautiful. It's really neat. It, nice, it is like going into a time machine, and uh, you know it has the old uh, fixed ears with what track is uh, where. Um, here's a Lady Ada in front of the car. This is a car that we got in uh, fifty two ninety. Um, here's the sign. You know the signs aren't lit up they would just put a different piece of metal in there um here's everything's the, made out of steel yeah here's the the strap um and it's been going on for over 115 years that's how old the the, the train is and then here's some of the things hi i'm a lovo lovo train type i was born in 1924 and operated in passenger service until 1969 and then um this is another one um and lady ada could probably explain this uh this is the car that we were in so they use low voltage 
Um, and these were safer for crews, and they would operate at 32 volts compared to the 600 volts now. Yeah, so I imagine that the older trains were very simple. Obviously, there's no electronics. Um, there was maybe a couple simple relays and switches that were manually controlled, and they didn't have a, I guess a transformer or a separated power supply. So, you know, if you had a relay switch on the control line um, and a wire got loose, you could get 600 volts into yeah. um, the control interface and zap you, which would be really unpleasant. Uh, 32 volts, on the other hand, you won't even feel it. So um, 32 volts, 24 volts is what most cars and, and trains run at for the interfacing. And then there's a separate high voltage section. So good idea that they separated them. Um, yeah. Considering that the entire train is made out of steel, you definitely do not want it to um, accidentally get high voltageified. Um, and the bad. years it was built was interesting because, you know, pandemic time. So the windows can open, there was fans. You definitely don't see subways made like this. It was solid. It sounded different when we went. I'm going to have a, I'm going to play a little bit of a, a video. Um, but we went on uh, the, the subway and there these the old ads were in there. And, you know, the more things change, the more things don't. Um, a lot of the ads were like, here's Campbell's soup. Here's uh, Three-in-one oil cleans as it polishes, as it oils. And then this one was nice. This was a camera ad. The folding brownie, almost a Kodak. <laughs> yeah. So they're just like, look, it's not a Kodak, but it's like almost a Kodak. But it's only five bucks. Yeah. Uh, food will win the war. Um, we observed meatless days, wheatless days, porkless days. Um, this is when there was a food shortage, when there was a world war. Um, can you imagine if people are asked to sacrifice for wars now? Um, maybe they would change their opinion about going to war if they couldn't get pork. Well, now we um, all just eat corn all day anyways. Yeah. And then uh, lots of it was uh, war bonds, um, buy a liberty bond. Uh, this I thought was kind of neat. Um, they're like, look, Rheingold beer is brewed exactly as before because there's permission. So they're just like, it permits us to produce beer for conversion after reducing alcoholic content to lawful limits. It allows us to sell as is. So they're just like, look, this is the beer you want. It's exactly as it before. It must have just really weak, but tasted the same. Yeah, this is exactly as before. Stop asking. Yeah. And then, so here's a little bit of a clip um, that we'll, we'll show, just to give you an idea of what it was like in there. That's RetroTech. You can check out the full kind of video that we have um, in. Uh, I think our, our favorite our thing was uh, the fan that was, you know, like six inches above your head. If you stuck your hand up, it would just take off your wrist. Yeah, they're basically. Well, it's interesting because like <laughs> it's a different. It was a different world. Um, I like progress, and I wouldn't want to go back in time there. But you could just tell that things were just different on how safety was handled and the personal responsibility people had. It's like that's a fan. You're not gonna like jump up and like hit your head and blame us right like so it's just 
And it's not one of those slow, like, home fans. No. It, that fan is, like, spinning death. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, so anyways. Uh, kept so it we, nice and cool, though. So we did that. And you could open up all the windows. And in our particular, um, you know, car, actually all the cars, uh, the rule was vaccination and masks because there's still COVID going on here. So I felt really safe. I thought that was great because, you know, the windows were down. It was a beautiful day. Their fans were going. They did say if you stuck your hand out the window, yeah. you would lose your yeah, hand. Yeah, the so trains were a little bit bigger. So you, if you if you put your hands out, you'd lose, you'd lose the hand. In the tunnels, it'll just... Okay. Yeah, anyways, good old times. Yep. Okay. But that, a little up. bit of three in one oil, it'll tick it right out. <laughs> All right, hold on. Okay, um, jobs.adafruit.com is where people post their skills, <laughs> or if they're a company and also someone looking for projects, they post up the jobs that are available. So, Lightyear, Burbank, California is looking for a full-time engineer, engineering laboratory technician. So if that's you, if you're interested in it, check it out, jobs.adafruit.com. Live near LA, beautiful, beautiful summers, falls, winters, and springs. It's Python on Homer time. Yeah, Blinka. Okay, so if you have not already, please, please, please go to adafruitdaily.com and sign up for the newsletter. It's adafruitdaily.com. We have a completely separate site because we never want anyone to think that we will send you a newsletter from Adafruit unless it has something you signed up for or something that you wanted regarding a product. So we did a separate site and that gets delivered to your inbox every single week. Um, we also have it on the web. And this week you can check out the Python developer survey, see what people in the world of Python are doing. Python 3.1.1 is um, faster. So I think we might see some speed improvements across all Python things. Uh, coming up. Some news in the world of the Python Software Foundation. They are adding some more people. Um, we added a link. This is kind of interesting just because of the chip shortage. Google is doing some chip development stuff, uh, specifically in the world of open source hardware. At least they're saying so. Um, Make did a review of our Feather RP2040. Check that out. And then all the normal news, projects, and more that goes on and on forever. Lots of keyboard projects. Again, I think a lot of people are doing um, different types of input for their computers so they can kind of customize their experience because they're doing so many different things. In CircuitPython news, um, this is kind of the big deal uh, for us uh, right now. So uh, PyLeap is out. 2.0. And the neat thing about this is you uh, start the app. It pairs with either Clue or with Bluefruit Express, and you're instantly able to look at the projects, and within one finger tap, the code is already on there, and now we support Clue. So each guide will say if it's compatible with which board, and it's the fastest, easiest way without a computer to get code onto a device. It's powerful, it's, 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 it's like when you first started using CircuitPython and you're like, whoa, I could just drag and drop a file onto the microcontroller. So this is like that, but for wireless. It's, it's very fast. Designed to make it a no-code, easy solution for especially people who want, or beginners, they just want to get started and they want to do mobile programming. PyLeap's a good start. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's Python on Hardware News this week. Okay. All right, next up, let's do some open source hardware news. 
Um, big news, um, and I'm going to probably try to spend more time on this next week because the news just happened yesterday, I think. And we did a it post. It was yesterday, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I've been awake for a while, so it feels like it was two days ago, <laughs> but it was actually yesterday. And um, I got the scoop. I think Adafruit was the first site to publicize it. So Arduino got $32 million in venture funding. And um, the two quotes, this is from Massimo and Fabio. So you're wondering, what are they doing with this money? Where are they going with it? What's going to happen? Um, what is their focus? So here it is. This is from Massimo. Engineers in Gen Z and millennial generations grew up using Arduino boards and STEM programs around the world. And they've become accustomed to the accessibility, simplicity, and power of the company's open source hardware, software, and cloud services. Now they're taking those demands into the enterprise as they enter the labor force. Next up, the CEO, Fabio. The way corporations solve contemporary challenges and identify new business opportunities is quickly evolving as a new generation of engineers move into the workforce in large numbers. With this investment, we're developing and delivering a new range of dedicated enterprise solutions to ignite this transformation. So it sounds like they're focusing on enterprise and enterprise solutions and um, corporate environments as mm -hmm. their audience and community is now going into those places. So if they're a young kid, they used Arduino growing up, <clears throat> now they've got the jobby job and Arduino is staying with them. So we'll see uh, what new products Arduino has. Um, having that funding is fantastic news for Arduino. Congratulations to the team. I'm looking forward to all the things that they're going to do. I have a request, which is uh, open source got Arduino to where they're at. The company celebrated open source, celebrates open source, and continues to celebrate open source. So um, this is a really good opportunity to show what does it mean to be an open source company and have $32 million of venture capital. Because there's been previous open source hardware companies They've gotten venture funding. Some have worked out, some have didn't. But Arduino gets to set um, the standard, pretty much what it is. Because when people think of open source, they think of Arduino. Um, my other request would be, for any of the education boards that are open source hardware, may as well open source hardware certify them at OSHA. Uh, or, uh, sorry, Oshawa. Um, may as well. Um, because that just means it's another signal that these are open source. They're going to be open source forever. And I think that would be kind of cool. Um, and I think it would also reassure folks that um, the, all the things that were open source will stay open source. So anyways, uh, congratulations to the entire Arduino team, everyone that's over there. I'm looking forward to all the stuff we're doing. And um, push this state of the art. Um, our, when Arduino does great stuff, it makes all of us do great stuff. So um, looking forward to what's next. All right, um, I goofed on the, um, <laughs> the uh, guides this week, so I forgot to put in one of the images, Lady That's Ada. okay. We only really had one guide. So yeah, just, but, uh, but, but I have a clever way around it. What's so, your... So this is a graphic of the one I... I put the graphic of the one I wanted to show. So Isaac yeah. did this amazing guide um, of all the HDMI yes. stuff that you can um, possibly get because there's so many HDMI things out there. It's like USB-C. It's like you're, it's so confusing. Yeah. So um, I didn't put the graphic of the guides, but I have a way to do it, which is just to go to the screen okay. thing here. Good enough. So, yeah. So the only thing, though, is you'll have to just um, 
That's fine. Remember which one is. Well, actually, there. put in a guide like right after you post it. So yeah. we have a new guide. So what's from, on the big board this week? From Drac, who's been doing so many cool retro guides. Um, there's a new guide called uh, on, on Box 86, which basically allows you to run um, x86 games um, and programs in emulation mode on Linux computers, which is great for the Raspberry Pi 4 and 400 if you have one, because it's nice and fast, so you can actually play. Um, he shows like how to play like StarCraft on your Raspberry Pi, which is like super cool. You can also install Wine. Um, a great a great way to take your Pi and and play even more games if even if they're not natively compiled. Um, we've also got that massive guide from Isaac, um, just epic multi-page guide on HDMI, the cable types, the like. What does it mean when it says with Ethernet? Um, how long can the cable be? What about extenders? What about passive versus active? Um, how can you convert it to different file format or different connector formats? It's in there. Uh, Katni also did a guide on the Cutie Pie ESP32 Pico. I think we just got some more of those uh, back in stock. Um, it's an adorable little Cutie Pie, but it's got an ESP32 chip in it um, and a stomach UT port and an antenna. It's a perfect little board when you uh, want a classic ESP32, but small. And um, we've also got, Liz did a guide on the PAM 8302. It's a little mono um, class D amplifier. We've had these in the store for a while, but I realized we didn't have a guide. There's no code, but it's still useful to have like the pinouts and, and files and all that. Uh, we also have a guide um, update from Trevor and Katney for PyLeap, as we mentioned. PyLeap 2.0 is out. Uh, it's a great time to try it. It's right now for iOS, but we are working on an Android version. Okay. Next up, let's do some factory footage made right here in New York City. And it wouldn't be made in New York City factory footage unless you could see what's outside our window. So this is, um, these are, those are people. And <laughs> yeah, those are people. 
and you could see the time lapse. This is the Disney building, and you could see them putting up the windows. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's like little figurines. Yeah. It's like those tilt shift things, and then you could see this from the other angle. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. They're putting the skin on. Yep. Okay. It's happening. All right. 3D printing time. Let's show this speed up. I actually like this. This is a really neat um, homage to some uh, cool Aztec art style things. That's cool. Yeah, and it's And of course, we'll, we'll have three hangouts come back next week. Yeah, next week. Don't forget Wednesdays to be hang out with Noah and Pedro. Okay, Lady Ada, it is time for Ion MPI. Hi, on MPI. This week's Ion MPI is Worth Electronics, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Thank you so much, DigiKey. Lady Ada, what is this week's Newest, latest, greatest. From Worth. Yeah. It's, it's a high Worth Electronics. Um, so I'm excited uh, because we knew about these. Um, we can talk about them because, of course, they were secret. But Worth Electronic has come out with a series of feather wings. Um, that's right. You know Adafruit because we've been making feathers. I actually looked it up. It was Maker Faire 2015 when we first showed off uh, the first few uh, feather designs that we came up with and feather wings. We had the... Um, Feather uh, 32U4s and the Feather ESP8266. And um, when we published Feather, we made the spec open source, basically. We published it and said, hey, anyone can use this. You can even use the word Feather Featherwing as long as you're compatible. Um, just don't be a jerk uh, and, and say it is when it isn't. And um, what's neat is that because it's been so platform agnostic, you know, if you're going to get a Nucleo board, it has to come from ST. And if you get an Energia board, it's going to be an MSP430. But with Feather, um, we support everybody from, um, you know, Maxim and Analog and Atmel and Microchip and TI and ST, um, you know, and Nuvoton and, and Espressif and Nordic and, and everybody. And so it was cool to see uh, Worth jump in and making... Um, these accessory feather wings because, you know, Worth, I don't think they have a microcontroller family. And so this allows them to say, look, as long as you have something that's Arduino compatible and you have a, something that's feather compatible, um, you can use our feather wings. So uh, there's a couple. So this is the sensor feather wing. Oh, and I wanted to just point out, um, sorry, this is the guide for Adafruit Feather. So check it out. We recently updated it because it lists a whole bunch of feathers as well as our awesome feather wing um, it has a link to the awesome feather wing list, which is like a, a huge community of non-Adafruit made feathers. Um, so the first 
feather wing, they made four. The first one is the sensor feather wing, um, which I also physically have here. And it's got pressure, humidity, accelerometer, temperature, and humidity. It's also got a uh, quick stomach UT connectors on the bottom. Um, it comes pre-soldered, ready to go. So you can just plug it into your uh, favorite feather. Um, it comes with all these sensors and they all communicate over I squared C. So you can pop this onto literally any feather because all of them have I squared C connectivity um, to add a huge range of sensors from worth. Um, they also publish schematic in the schematic in the data sheet, which is really handy. Uh, which has all the part numbers, and there's also um, the board files as well, though I didn't download them. Um, but basically, they publish everything. They're like, look, we want you to use this as an eval board, and um, this is a working schematic that you can use. The next board, um, I thought this was interesting, is this is, can, sorry, can you enlarge it? I want to remember how to spell it. It's the Thione. Thion. Um, this is a uh, 2.4 gigahertz uh, mesh network chips. It's that little module at the end there. Um, and this is what you would use if you don't necessarily want to have, you want to have a low power mesh network. Um, you know, Wi-Fi isn't mesh. If you want to have a sensor node, maybe all these sensors, you know, using that sensor feather wing, and then you want to distribute data around a mesh network. Um, this is a meshing module that makes it really easy um, to use. Also comes in a feather wing format. Um, and you communicate with the um, radio module over UART. So all of our feathers also have UART. And then um, there's an ATECC 608, which is a, a common uh, encryption, uh, pub, you know, private key uh, storage device from um, Atmel Microchip. And um, that communicates over I squared C uh, and there's Arduino libraries for that. So between the two of these, you can basically have authenticated um, mesh networks that have unique identifiers. Uh, also, the schematics are published for this. And this is basically designed to be a um, dev board to demonstrate the, the Thion, or Thion uh, mesh module. Um, the next module, I thought this was kind of cool. So this is like this, it's called like a magic power feather wing. Uh, and this uses, um, Worth Electronics makes a lot of power modules. This is a step down module. Um, so you can see those, all those capacitors and um, connectors and uh, inductor in there. And this basically will take um, up to, I think, 24 volts input and do a buck conversion, bring it down to 5 volts and also 3 volts. So basically, if you're using your feather or feather wing in an industrial environment, like let's say um, one of those low voltage trains we were just talking about that run on 32 volts, um, you could wire this up and basically have a, a train sensor uh, module, and uh, you wouldn't have to worry about um, power supply, and it can empower the rest of the feather and the mesh network, uh, what have you. Of course, you can also use a LiPo battery, as all feathers do, but if you want to, you know, we don't currently have a feather wing that will let you take 24 volts and bring it down to five, so this is quite handy um, to do so. Also, the um, schematic is here, but you can see it's basically a, a power module with an alternate uh, power input. And then lastly, um, there is a Calypso Wi-Fi feather wing. So this is a Wi-Fi module uh, that you can use to um, connect you know, to the internet securely. Uh, it uses uh, UART and there's an Arduino library. Uh, so it has AT style uh, command structure, which is really common. And they have Arduino libraries for it if you'd like. So this uses UART. So you can't really use this and the mesh wing at the same time. So kind of use one or the other, unless you have two UARTs and you can rewire it. For the most part, you just kind of pick one or the other. Um, 
And uh, this is basically how it connects, basically just over uh, UART, you send AT commands to connect, you know, make a socket, connect, send data, open and close it. You can also act as a uh, web browser. And then of course, uh, here's the documentation for how it's uh, wired up and put together. So you can use the Calypso module. And then there is a video, we didn't show the video because it's, it's like 15 minutes long, but there's a video on the uh, Worth YouTube channel to check out where they take a M0 feather and they plug it into the Wi-Fi and the sensor feather wing and they basically make uh, a fully interactive um, post and get web service, web browser. So the web services on the Feather M0 uh, connects to Wi-Fi securely with the Calypso Wi-Fi weather wing and then you can read the sensors and set the LEDs so it's read and write uh, with a custom uh, Wi-Fi interface. And uh, if you want to use this, again, because Worth doesn't make the microcontroller board, you would use a Feather M0, a Feather M4, you know, an NRF52840, maybe on a Bluetooth, and then uh, check out uh, their GitHub repo where they have code for the sensor, Wi-Fi, and uh, mesh Feather wings. They have example code um, for all of them. I mean, they're in platform I.O. specified format, but they should work just fine in Arduino as well. You just have to drag and drop that into your library folder. Available at DigiKey. They are in stock, all four of them, four different types. And I can show it on the overhead yeah. real fast. So, boom. My Sharpie. So this is the uh, sensor feather wing. So on the bottom, uh, it's got all this documentation. Let's see if I can focus in on it. Um, uh, the humidity sensor has a nice cutout um, for temperature and humidity so that the, there's no self-heating. Um, they come with stacking headers, which is great uh, because you can take, you know, your feather and, and pop it on top, especially if you have like a Wi-Fi feather, uh, you won't have anything in the way of the antenna. Um, or, you know, you can have uh, socket headers and this, this plugs on top. And then um, there's a quick connector here. So if you've got your, uh, you know, some other sensor you want to connect, um, or maybe encryption module, whatever, uh, over I2C, you just plug it in and you can extend that. Or of course you can use this to just connect to um, an existing like a cutie pie board if you just want to use this as a uh, sensor module breakout. So that's the Worth sensor feathering. There is a part number, but by the way, it's extremely long, I can't remember it, so just type in Worth feathering and you'll find all of them. And that's IRL. Okay, um, before we do new products, don't forget the code is uncased. It'll make sense in a moment. And uh, are you ready to kick off some new products? I'm ready. Okay. New, 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 it's, it's new to you if you've been waiting. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're doing everything we possibly can. And then um, the code tonight was on case. And the reason is, is because we've wanted to have something like this for a while. And um, there isn't a USB drive that everyone agrees on that's like, oh, here's the open source one, or here's the one that's low cost, or here's the size or whatever. So what we decided to do is just find kind of the best one that had the best price and went through our testing process. I, I, I did the test where, you know, I, t I test the speed and of course yeah. I test the, uh, and so the I test that it's actually two gigabytes. The, <laughs> the idea with this is really low cost 
and a standard size that you can kind of embed inside like a 3D printed object or make something um, special. It's uncased. That it's uncased. You 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 provide the case. So let's uh, go to the overhead. Okay. So uh, here it is, uncased. There's a little indicator LED. This is the control chip, which you can Google to find the part. And then this is, of course, the flash memory. Um, another thing that this could be useful for is if you're if you're feeling like it, you could uh, hot air this off BJ on a separate flash chip if you wanted to like rescue an existing uh, USB key that had like a bad controller. Yeah. It just has a USB A. But the thing about it is it's uncased. You want to 3D print. You want to mold. You want to do something funky. Yeah. Um, this is kind you of put a lump of clay on that, let it dry, and now you've got a very low cost gift. Here's a pet rock. <laughs> the pet no, rock. and on the pet rock is. You know, has some files. You can also, of course, remove the SD, uh, the USB connector, and solder it directly uh, to your single board computer as like an, you know, it's like two gig of memory, um, just solder it right on, of uh, of uh, flash memory. So I thought it would be kind of cool to uh, stock these. And no one, Pedro, will, will do a 3D model as soon as they're um, back from holiday. Uh, we'll probably 3D print some cool. Um, enclosures for this, and yeah. then people can take that model and, and make their own. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of like really neat things that people print out, like they're fans of Star Wars. And um, speaking of 3D printed Yoda heads, and you could put like a little slot in it, and then just slide this in there, and you could put something on there, like the files that it was uh, printed with, the STL file. You could put um, photos on it, and maybe a message to someone and give it as a gift. So I thought this was, this was really neat, and it's yeah. you know it's cheap enough where it just doesn't matter. Okay, so this is the uncased yeah. two gig drive. Speaking of USB, speaking of USB, we have a couple of USB cables. Uh, this is a funky one. So we have a nine volt and a twelve volt boost converter cable that go, runs off of USB, and um, I saw somebody was like, "Can you get one that has both?" And I'm like, "Yeah, here's one that has both." So this is a nine volt or twelve volt, um, and. It's been a while since I tested this sample, but I think it also displays the current. Let's go to the overhead real fast. Um, right. So it doesn't do data, of course, it just does power. And uh, this shows the voltage, so if I shorted this, it would say zero volts. And I think uh, on the product page, it's like one amp at nine volts and about 750 milliamps at 12 volts. Um, and then you get a standard 5.5 5 millimeter 2.1 millimeter um, uh, DC jack that you can use uh, to plug into, um, you know, any device with positive tip and uh, negative ring on here. So uh, it's a little bit more expensive than the, the individual nine or twelve, but that's because it's combo. Okay. All right. Next up. So uh, just before we get to the other group of USB things, because I wanted to separate them out so there was no confusion. Yeah. Um, what about these? Okay. So we've already got these, and they look so similar to what we've already got. And you're like, what is this? Why? How is this different than the MyFair tag? Um, this is the NTAG 203. So we've stocked the MyFair Classic tags for a very long time, and um, they're great and everything. Um, but modern phones don't support MyFair Classic because it's an old, slightly less secure um, RFID tag format. And this is NTAG 203, which is also known as like MyFair, not Classic, it's like MyFair Express or something. Um, so these are more secure. They have a longer ID key. They're, uh, they hold 144 bytes of data. Uh, you can still use them for all sorts of RFID purposes, but more phones and tablets are going to support uh, these chips in the MyFair Classics. So we 
we carry the MyFair Classics for when people have old technology, but if you have a choice, we recommend uh, the NTAG 203s instead. They're more modern. Uh, they'll be supported for a lot longer. Okay. Now, um, there's a bunch of different types, so I just put one picture to, to, to explain what these were. Yeah. So we have four different cables that all look very similar, yeah. um, and these are USB PD cables, and they're kind of interesting. So, yeah, let's go just look at this. On one end is a USB-C connector, and the USB-C connector um, will plug into a USB power delivery uh, wall wart. So these are wall warts that, you know, you, you plug the wall and they have a USB port inside of them. And, you know, if you have like a lap, Mac laptop or a really modern laptop, this will look familiar. And then you plug in the USB-C into the wall adapter and then there's a little chip inside the cable. It's like really small. And what it does is it tells the adapter, hey, I want you to go into 9-volt boost mode or uh, converter mode or 12-volt or 15-volt or 20-volt. And the output will be 9, 12 15 or 20 volts based on what the PD converter can give you. So let me show you the PD converter so you know what I'm talking about because this is not actually a boost or buck converter. Okay. Okay, so this is, you know, a standard, it's like a laptop charger. It looks very familiar. It's not official Apple, but it's very similar looking. Um, so uh, the travel charger, uh, gets um, you know basically you know 110 or 200 volts in and then it says output and you see here it says 5 volts at 3 amps 9 volts at 3 amps 12 volts at 3 amps 15 volts at 3 amps or 20 volts at 3.25 amps so this is a, a, a special kind of USB-C converter that can switch what the output is based on what the cable says so for example if I plugged in this cable which says 20 volts, you can kind of see it. It's not very, let me see if I can turn on the light, maybe that'll help. Kind of barely, you can kind of see it. It says 20 volts on it. Um, then when this is plugged into here, this will output 20 volts. However, if this wall adapter doesn't say that it can provide 20 volts, it's not going to work. So you have to make sure that whatever you want on this cable end, you know, 20 volts, or this one says, uh, you know, nine volts, or I have a 12 volt or 15, um, you have to make sure that it appears on this list because this doesn't do any conversion. All it does is like convincing, right? It'll tell, it'll tell the adapter what it wants on the output, but it will not do any power conversion for you. So if it doesn't have nine volt, you'll just get five volts out instead, or, or you might not get anything depending on how the adapter uh, handles PD. So mm -hmm. that said, uh, as long as you're aware of that, it's really handy because instead of having 20 adapters, you have one adapter and then you have a different cable for every product. Yeah. You don't you just you can just swap out the cable based on your needs and you'll just get the exact voltage you want. And the output here is 5.5 volts, sorry, 5.5 millimeter outer diameter, 2.5 slash 2.1 inner. And the reason it's 2.5 and 2.1 is the hole is 2.5, but the, you can see there's little springy clips. So it works with both 2.5 and 2.1 millimeter. And um, these cables are really chunky. They'll, they'll handle up to five amps of output because they have the eMark chip on them. It's a little bit more expensive, but the eMark means you can uh, charge a laptop. However, just a reminder, because this travel charger doesn't give you five amps, you're not gonna get five amps. It'll max out at three amps, 
after three amps, you know, it'll not provide any more current. So just keep that in mind. Again, this is not a converter cable, it's a convincer cable. It'll convince the travel charger to do what it already does. Okay, cool. Okay, uh, next up, we have lots and lots and lots of Cats. The, the most amazing, beautiful LEDs. Yes. So um, these are in the store, these are unique. Adafruit, and this is from. We a may not of have ours. chips, but we do have cats. Yeah, and so um, these are them lit up. Um, we have rainbow ones, and uh, just to give you an idea of how big they are, they are LED size. They're LED size. So um, they come in different packs. These are made here in the USA. Um, Mark Devink, who is a friend of the company, is a designer, artist, and more. I worked with Mark at Make Magazine, and we're Please to support a local artist oh, and have all of these. And there's lots of different types. Um, okay. I like the blue cat. This um, blue cat's cool, but let's show the RGB cat first. Yeah, because that, that, that has lots of different And the things. succulent's really cool, too. Yeah, the succulent's so kind of a, a secret winner. I thought I would just show all these, and then you could do the overhead. Yeah. Um, and so that's the cat, and then we have the succulent. Succulent's really nice, because you can imagine this being used for... Lots of cool uh, projects because uh, it could be lots of different like. I like it's just like it looks, it looks better than I thought. I was like, wow, yeah. it's just, it really does. Look and then um, it wouldn't be Adafruit without a skull. Yes. So uh, this is a red skull, and um, these are going pretty fast, but this is skull. what they look like. They're 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 beautiful, and if you want to up your LED game, so let's uh, take a look at them. Okay. So um, this one, I'm just lighting these up with a three volt coin cell. So this one is the RGB cat. So you see a cat and you see the embedded LED. Note that you don't get RGB LEDs. It's a, one of those, it's called like a flashing light um, LED. So it changes color. Uh, you see from like red to green uh, to, to blue. So it slowly uh, goes through all the colors. Um, but it's like, you know, you, you see toys and stuff that often have, um, uh, you know, or necklaces or jewelry that have these little LEDs. So it's a way to add rainbowy color without any controller. Um, so that's the RGB LED. And then you want to see the blue kitty? Yeah, well, this is what it looks like here. Okay. But then, you know, we like showing real live demos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have all these really yeah. nice photos we took, but... So this is the blue kitty. It's a nice little kitty. You can see from different sides. So again, I'm just I'm just lighting up with a coin cell, but you yeah. can see it's so nice. Pet the cat. And then uh, so it's the blue kitty. And then let me show the red skull. Yeah, and here's the photo that we took. And then we'll show you. Okay. Live. Red skull. You also have the white skulls. So yeah. red skull. Okay, and then finally, last but not least, is the green succulent, which I think is kind of the coolest one. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it looks, I think it's because it's like, you know, the center is lit up, but then all the little leaves yeah. are glowing. Um, so this is, it, it looks, I mean, it's hard to show on the overhead, of course, but in person, it just looks like a beautiful glowing cactus. Yeah. Okay, and then the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our customers, our team, and this blue cat is? <laughs> is the Feather TFT ESP32 S3. Um, I, I, we have a much loved ESP32 S2 TFT. 
uh, swap out the module with the new S3 4 megabyte flash 2 megabyte PS RAM and boom um, you've got a lovely two core uh, 240 megahertz tensilica chip with four megabytes of flash two megabytes of PS RAM it's got Wi-Fi and it's got Bluetooth and you've got that TFT um, stomach QT port battery powerable battery monitor built in um, you know, low power capable. You can turn off the I squared C port even. It's just a uh, altogether a wonderful little board. And I think it's gonna be uh, super fun and powerful, especially for people who want Bluetooth or they need two cores because um, you get, of course, the, the extra power. Uh, so here's just a, a quick Arduino demo running. Um, of course, it's Feather compatible. It's got all the pins you'd expect. So you can use it with your first uh, sensor feathering if you'd like. Um, you've got the reset button and boot button, stomach UT port, uh, this vertical style. So if you want to uh, plug in, hold on, always get it in backwards. Hold on, I want to line it up. Boom. Uh, you can plug in um, more sensors, and you'll notice as I plug in this sensor, uh, it shows up on the I squared C scan. So you disappeared and then it reappears. Uh, battery monitoring um, using the LC709203, which is a really nice low power battery monitor. We use that because the ESP32 doesn't have a very linear ADC, so having external sensor do it is a good idea. Um, this little module with built-in antenna, so you get really good um, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth support. And I think this will be uh, great for use with Arduino or CircuitPython, especially that two megabytes of PSRAM. Um, makes it a very good CircuitPython board. You have a lot of memory, um, and uh, it means that you can get Wi-Fi data, do a lot of JSON parsing, uh, control LED matrices, control NeoPixels, um, control TFT displays. The S3 is a very powerful, and a lot of cool peripherals that you're gonna see uh, coming out for it. And that is new products. Okay, don't forget the code is uncased. 10% off the Adafruit store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. You also get free stuff. Um, we're gonna do some uh, questions over on Discord, but we're gonna do top secret while you load up your questions. I have some already that folks typed in, but don't forget adafruit.it slash Discord. That is the only place where we do the questions. Go there. Um, so let's do some top secret, and then we'll meet yeah. you over uh, in the chat in a moment and answer some questions. So this week's top secret, um, we have some S3s off the line, so it's you know, you just saw them debuted, so just imagine yourself like a day ago or so. And then um, we'll show a couple boards. So here's the first two videos, and then see you on the other side. Okay, later, what is this? This is a still toasty PCB panel that just came off the oven uh, right here. This is for the Feather TFT ESP32 S3. We've got this awesome TFT Feather in the S2 format, uh, but this time we've made it, and you can see it's got the S3 Mini, um, the N4 R2, sorry, R4 N2, which means it's got PSRAM, four megabytes of flash. Um, so we're gonna put, one of them is missing because we're um, gonna do the first article inspection. But if you loved our Feather ESP32 S2 TFT Feather, you're gonna really like this one because it's got twice as many cores, more SRAM, it's got Bluetooth. So nice little upgrade. Uh, Coming to the Apple store real soon now. Early data, what is this? Hey, I'm just doing a quick demo for a new product. This is um, 
the RCWL1601. This is an ultrasonic sonar distance sensor. What's interesting about this is this one is in I squared C mode. So it does have a mode where you can query it over I squared C. I've got some resistors here because um, it's built in pull ups. And then I've got it plotting out um, the distance. You can put my hand up and down to, to change the output. Um, it does work. I will say one thing about this. It doesn't seem to like to share the I squared C bus, but there's some situations where you don't want to use um, like the pin trigger pulse style of ultrasonic sonar sensor. Um, you don't want the UART style. Maybe you don't have a PWM input. Um, you have I squared C and as long as you're cool with just not having anything else on that same bus, like in this case, I've got uh, this OLED on a different bus. It seems to work just fine. Okay, and uh, you published some boards. By published, I mean emailed it to me so I can post online later. So it will be published. So this really is top secret. What is this? Um, this is an adapter. A lot of people like our Pi Zero compatible spy cameras. Um, and they want to use them on a classic Raspberry Pi, which doesn't have the 22-pin high-pitch CSI-DSI connector. Instead, it has uh, the lower-pitch, uh, 1-millimeter pitch, 15-pin connector. And Raspberry Pi used to create an adapter board uh, that they sold that was used with the compute module um, I.O. boards that did this conversion, and they no longer sell it. Uh, so I just quickly, quickly whipped up this little adapter based on the schematics they published. Um, even though this has DSI, it's actually, this is the CSI adapter only. It's the camera connector. Uh, the display connector would be different, but I don't think anything uses the 22-pin um, connector for DSI. So basically, it would let you use Pi Zero cameras with a classic Raspberry Pi. Okay, what's this? Uh, and then someone asked for a Stemma QT hub. Um, so this is just a Stemma QT size board, 0.7 by 1 inch, um, which is our standard Stemma QT board size, but it has five vertical Stemma QT uh, connectors on it. And so you could, you know, if you have non-chaining um, uh, non, non I2C, like you're using Grove cables or something, uh, or you're just do DIY I2C, you can use this uh, to basically share uh, the I squared C ports. And that's top secret. Okay, we're gonna jump right to questions. I have some lined up. Uh, here we go. Uh, recently, my company upgraded security. Good thing, but now thumb drives without security keys are no longer allowed. Also a good thing, but that means anything that has USB on it um, that enumerates aka run circuit python won't run my workaround is to code off a of raspberry pi which is also um technically programmed from home for now because you know they probably can't bring it in um this works but uh once i'm gone if that day ever arrives do you have any advice on how to deal with this especially with newer engineers nearly requiring arduinos to get their job done uh aka why would i do that in LabVIEW when i could do it with an arduino um I won't hear your answer until I get back from picking up my kids from Scouts. So, um, so with CircuitPython, you can turn off the mass storage interface. Um, we have a little tutorial on how to do that. Um, that means that you'll have to upload code via the REPL, which you can do. Um, basically, instead of using um, you know, mass storage support, you would turn off mass storage and then turn on disk writability. And then I think you can actually still use something like Ampy. I don't see why it wouldn't work. It's, it basically creates a file in Python, and then you would write to it. So you, I think you could use Thani or Ampy. It's, it's not going to be as good of an experience, but I don't see why it wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, the alternative is also just to ask the administrator to uh, pop open 
that restriction for USB VID PID that's associated with a CircuitPython yeah. board? Yeah, so we're, you know, we're constantly looking at our security policies as well. So I think about stuff like this for organizations that have um, locked down USB stuff, because schools don't do that yet. Maybe one day they will. Um, everything's on the cloud, blah, blah, blah. Um, but what I've learned is everything is a collaboration with the IT security department. So even if USB turns off and you're thinking that you're going to use maybe Arduino only, they'll have to get permission to install that software. Yeah, and that driver isn't doesn't come either. So, you have to install that by yeah, hand. Yeah, and you know when someone Googles for Arduino software, there's lots of different places where they might download it from. So you're going to want to do some type of security audit to make sure whatever is getting downloaded. So I think... Um, it's a combination of two things. Um, the VID PID lockdown is doable, possible. That's what I would suggest. Is that way you could still have the best possible experience. It's an authorized, you know, USB drive. Um, and then the other one is try turning off the um, mass storage. Um, we have that as a feature. Yeah. For Circuit Python. And then you know your your clean room idea of what you're doing now is programming you know things on on Raspberry Pi at home is okay. You also might want to talk to the IT folks there and say, hey, like if I am able to um, mount the uh, Circuit Python drives across the network on a secure computer that you authorize, so you could plug it in and then those drives are mounted and they can access it across the network. There's ways to do it yeah. where that one is you know considered safe. Okay, next up. Um, when do you see the pie shortage ending? Um, I don't think, and there's we no don't ending. think it's gonna ever end. I you think, should not assume there's any end. I think this is kind of the way our lives are going to be for a very long time where you can't just order something that shows up the next day. And that goes, that, that goes for a lot of things. Um, and then are there any decent low cost indoor positioning sensor methods? Um, there's ultra wideband, but it's not inexpensive. Basically, no. Indoor positioning is extraordinarily hard. Um, it's a very, very hard technical problem. Um, most people don't realize how hard it is because outdoor there's GPS and GPS is very cheap. Um, but GPS isn't, you know, even if you did work indoors, it wouldn't be precise enough. Um, and also, of course, it doesn't work indoors. Yeah. So, yeah, there really isn't anything other than ultra wideband. Okay. Um, do you have an in with the Wittern folks? I love their USB analyzers, particularly the U3. It's pretty amazing. I would love to see someone in the U.S. carry. It's the people I recommend don't have to go to AliExpress, uh, and they link to uh, them. Uh, do you ever hear these? I, I, you know, we buy enough stuff when we contact a company that they do talk to us, um, so I can actually get samples because I'm like, hey, when I order, I'm going to be ordering like a thousand cables um, from you. Yeah. So I'll probably be able to um, get those things. I'll ask them for samples and, and check them out. Okay. Um, there's a new agreement on smart home control called Matter. Have you considered becoming a member? Um, and in general, can you share what involvement would inquire? Just hoping a maker like Adafruit would contribute to what is important for makers. We just did thread, and now we're already onto matter. So huh? here's here's ends. here's what we would like to do. Um, so usually we don't get invited to those type of groups because we have the Internet of Things Bill of Rights, and if someone Google's us, they're like, oh, like, you know, home control. It allows uh, voice storage across the cloud. Um, by the way, I didn't get a chance to write about this, but Sonos has a non-cloud, non-voice storage speaker. Um, and the advertisement for it is like privacy first. I think that's mm. going to be a trend that we see. We always think that if something can listen to you, it should have a mute button or a physical off button. Yeah. Uh, Amazon added that to some of their new Alexas. The Alexa Show has a very large physical button that you move now that it's cameras off, mute is 
mute is on, which is an interesting thing because it's, uh, it's the opposite. Mute is on isn't the same. That doesn't mean the sound's on. It means the sound's off. That's I'm sure they use some logo that makes yeah. it clear. Anyways, so um, that's kind of cool. So we would like to consider doing something like that. But usually what we like to do is like, hey, if it's collecting data, that should be uh, downloadable by the user. So we kind of come in with uh, user rights and baggage. <laughs> so we don't get invited to these parties. But um, you know, we'd like to look into it. Um, we'll see. Um, so if we do, I'll let you know. Uh, any news on the ESP32S3 uh, BLE HID? Um, best bet is to ask Espresso for that. I don't have any okay. control or updates beyond what they announce. All right. And I think people like DSP, they like the LEDs. Um, can you do wireless circuit Python integrate with Jupyter? Um, would like to be able to use that as a REPL wrapper. Um, yes, eventually. I think we're working on a web flow and um, web workflow and that you would probably be able to do with Jupyter. Although, um, we're kind of uh, targeting just using like a, a web browser to start. Okay. Um, do you see the Adafruit ESP32 S3 TFT working with the M1 Mac without too much frustration since it has new native USB support? Any insight? Adafruit. I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, we haven't had any issues with M1 Macs for we're USB We're all using M1 Macs for testing and so far so good because uh, it's super fast and I really like my M1 Mac. And I don't, I, yeah, I think it should work just fine. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I haven't heard of any issue it uses the built-in CDC drivers. There's no custom driver. And, and yeah. the WCH chip drivers also work fine on a Mac. I mean, you have to turn on allow me to install non-official software, but once you do yeah. that, it works fine. I found that the thing that starts to come up with all these things that are USB um, that can be complicated, sometimes people go through a hub. So they have a hub, and they put all the USB stuff in that. That's when things can kind of get a little complicated. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, cool. Them's the questions. Yay! All right. Got a lot of questions. Thanks, folks. Um, so uh, that's our show for tonight. We're out of here. Um, thanks so much, everyone. Don't forget the code is uncased. This is my hands doing 9 o'clock. It's 9 o'clock. Ding, ding, ding. Ba-ding! Yeah. 9. Um, special thanks to Zay behind the scenes here at uh, Adafruit in our Slack channel. Take care of all the customers and more. Special thanks to the community all of our Adafruit team, our customers. Thanks for supporting us during these ups and, ups and downs and topsy-turvy times. Um, we uh, very much appreciate it, and uh, we will continue to do good, be good, be open source, uh, share. The light of our candle, if we light other candles, doesn't diminish our light and flame. I think about that phrase sometimes. So it's always good to see other people show and share stuff and then see other people show and share and encourage and encourage and encourage it because that is how civilization was built and can continue to thrive, sharing and um, uplifting one another. So we'll see everybody uh, next week. Here is, uh, oh yeah, this has been an Adafruit production. Here is your moment of Zener. Good night, everybody.